Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, thank you, Mike. News team, assemble! For the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, we are back. And the Sooners, ladies and gentlemen, are in the college football playoff. Well, at least for this week they are. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is the Unofficial 40. I'm your host, Kerry Murdoch, alongside Josh McQuistian and Eddie Radosevich. And gentlemen, welcome to another edition, a long-awaited edition. I think people are going to lose their minds if we didn't come out with another podcast. Well, yeah, I would think so. It's a big deal. Uh, the rankings have come out. Uh, I see that the uh, Eddie Good. has sent out the the bat signal that the podcast is going. Oh yeah, I gotta let the puts people know. Puts incredible pressure on me to get it up as fast as possible. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think we'd want to record it and then not put it up. I finally killed my office chair, so it's done. It's a different look from this side of the uh, on from this without side me of the being table. in the big King the big chair. James throne that Maybe, I have. You know what we should do? We should start a Venmo for you, and we could get you a new chair. <laughs> Everybody is so you're you and like that's become like the big kind of joke now is like the Venmo thing. It's like Venmo me. It's because people will do it. Like, Has anybody ever Venmoed you anything just for saying Venmo me? Oh no, 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 no. But because you do it all the time. Yeah, and I, but I never add my Venmo. Maybe I need to start adding my Venmo handle, and people will. But like people have had signs at game day before that like oh, yeah. Venmo me beer money or whatever. Yeah, I remember and that one day. It'll he'll get like I I thought that guy got like 150 200 bucks. Yeah. I remember That's a full that. night. That was the first time I ever heard of Venmo. Oh like really? At college yeah. game day. I mean you, I didn't know what it was. That's more than just beer money. Rivals was like my original Venmo. That's what this job started for. You know, I told Krabby when I started, I was like, this is my beer money. This is how I, that's, that was, that paid for my fun on the weekends. You probably needed a, a lot of beer. Well, you're, you have you're to a use large beer. Man. You can't say, Not like fat. you can't say big. whiskey money. You're like, at like 21. If you say whiskey money, you have a drinking problem. Josh is kind of like a mini Hannes Pola. Like you have a large <laughs> head and a large body. I could see that actually. Maybe the, are you from Finland? Is the, is the McQu- no? You're from Scotland. Scotland for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I and a sad story that Lainey will you know in about 15 years will hate me for sharing. Uh, she got a scooter for Christmas and got a helmet to go with it. The helmet didn't fit, oh. and Lainey was about this was last Christmas, and she was she, she'd have been about two and a half at that point, and it was a three uh, it was a um, three to five helmet, and she didn't fit into it. And so, so she like, needed a big crap. kid helmet. 
So we went, uh, literally, this is, again, I told you guys, poor parenting is a model of mine. I just now have replaced it in late November. It took me almost 11 months to get this girl a helmet. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's so it's been sitting the- in the back of my truck with the receipt for all that time. Like, I'm going to take it back, I'm going to take it back. So finally, she and I went, uh, I think a week ago today, actually. Went and got it, and she... She can only wear the five to eight helmet, like eight year old kids, like helmets. It's, it's not, she has a big dome. She got them a question dome for sure. When you were uh, playing football in high school, did they have to like special order your helmet? Yeah. They had to take them up to the high school to get the helmet. We had a (laughs) couple kids like that. I I was, do you guys remember, um, like I always felt like I needed to wear the John Olerud helmet. Like I was going to have to wear that big thing, you know, cause his was always different and weird from everybody else's. Like well, I was going to have to wear the that batters, one because he, it wasn't yeah. going to fit. He wore the batter's circle helmet it, ex- on first yeah, base. Exactly. A man before like, his time. I see it now and I'm so jealous. Like Eddie and I know you go to a, a ton of games and you're on the sidelines and stuff too, but those zip pulls they have now for the, the chin straps and stuff. Oh yeah. How yeah, awesome yeah. would that be? That, why wasn't there that there when we were kids? Like we had to do the full like bike helmet, you know, chin strap guards that were just crap. But they get to like they're like built into the helmets now. They're little zip tie straps. You know, and now that you say that, I've seen it at high school games. I don't know if I've seen it at college games. Oh really? I just assumed. I don't I know. Think like I it. haven't even thought about it. Yeah, now. I don't notice it. I think hmm. they just have the. Maybe they don't do it. Yeah, they don't do it in college just because it doesn't hold up as much. Probably. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're like, this is this is for. Like, it's a really shitty type yeah. product or whatever. It's in not, high school. That's not a real <laughs> helmet. Uh, okay, we, I think we have a new idiot on top of Idiot Mountain after this last week. Uh, yeah, I, I Joey I think Galloway so. has been fine. Like, I don't know if you've shamed him into being. Normal. I think he's checking his his messages. I think he checks his mentions. He realizes that the OU fans are just killing him. Yes. Now, you know, nose picker McFarland, he's still an idiot. Uh, yeah, but it, it's almost like, I mean, Booger McFarland, it is what it is. You kind of expect it from him. It's like I don't really expect him to have a a real strong take on anything because I, I just don't think he's a very smart person to begin with. I think Jesse Palmer is too busy with his holiday baking championships to do too much football. Jesse Palmer's real big into the holidays, I bet. Is he even this? Doesn't he? Isn't he on a Thursday night broadcast or something though? Isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Well, him and Joey Galloway. Still, I know he used to. Yeah, I think they they took him off. I think he's in studio on Thursday nights with Joey Galloway, and they do like the halftime show of the ESPN game or whatever. Well, we have the new idiot on top of Idiot Mountain, and it is Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> After watching him do the OSU-Iowa State game last week, which was an abomination. What a joy that crew was. Him and Mike, Mike Patrick, I honestly, they wheel him out of the old folks home, I bet. Like, all right, Mike, we got to go do another game today. He has fallen so far downhill. It's really bad. He used to be great. He used to do, uh, what was it, Monday Night Football? Oh, I don't know. Or was it? I always was familiar with him with like that Saturday think, night ESPN SEC he game. he and Theismann did Monday Night Football together. Wow. Back in the day. See, I was just thinking like the last 10 years when he was doing. But then he became, you know, for a while he was the number one part of the number one crew in college football too. But like now, yeah, I think, I think he must not ever watch any football and just shows up and does whatever game they tell him to. Just play, play spades all week with uh, Rick and Roger. But, But Tommy Tuberville, we all know he was at Texas Tech. 
uh, he voluntarily quit to go to Cincinnati because he was getting his ass handed to him in the Big 12. And uh, here's some audio. Now, this is OSU driving down. They're at the goal line. They're at the one-yard line, I think. And they hand the ball off to J.D. King, and he doesn't make it in the end zone. On the next play, they hand it off to Justice Hill, and he barrels his way into the end zone. But, like, Tommy Tuberville took every opportunity he could to grind grind his axe against the Big 12 Conference. Here's an example. And they stop him again, this time for a loss of a yard for J.D. King. This is where both teams excel on defense is in the red zone because they're not an attacking offensive line. They don't get any push. They're soft. They're finesse. And they get manhandled by the defensive line on the goal line, both teams. And usually most teams in the Big 12. Yeah, uh, there's a guy named David Montgomery on that field and a guy named Justice Hill that were fantastic runners in that game. And, and that, that Oklahoma State offensive line has gotten pretty good here at the end of the season. This is after, like, in the first or second quarter, early in the game, he said, this is one of the better Oklahoma State offensive lines they've had in years. It's like he figured, oh, wait, I can't say positive things about the Big 12. Like, and so the game is getting ready to end, and, it, and it's over. A.J. Green intercepts the ball in the end zone. Mind you, this is a game where Marcel Aitman has become one of the biggest weapons in college football at throwing the fade ball to him in the end zone in short yardage, two-point conversion, whatever. He's, he's unbelievable. He's become an unbelievable player. Uh, and here is Doofus's take on this. I was trying to think of a word to call him. I should have used the worst one, dumbass. Yeah. Here's dumbass's take. We can take. edit that out. Uh, I'm not editing. We're getting this thing up. <laughs> Uh, oh, really? Well, Eddie, <laughs> calm. Green light. Can we, light. can we just take it easy on the F-bombs today? I want to get this podcast out we there. Can, we can do that as long as, yeah, we Unless can Unless you get really triggered. Yeah, we if, can if do it's, that. If it's really worth it, I'll edit it, okay? okay. <laughs> so, Tuberville, the, the last play of the game, uh, Iowa State's right. They have like 34, 27 seconds left. they got Zeb Nolan, who's having a fantastic game throwing the ball. They've got Alan Lazard on their team, too, by the way. Uh, but they throw it to the Murdoch guy, which is a terrible person to throw a football to <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a crucial situation. So here's Tommy Tuberville getting his last little shots in as the game ends. It's just unfortunate it would end this way, yeah. all on the three-yard three line. That's how these Big 12 teams live and die off the pass. What a f- moron Ooh, there, I said. got him. Got him. He is, a, he is a moron, though. I mean, that was he, – he said some of the dumbest stuff during the game. Uh, just as far like he's one of those guys too that just listening to him it kind of pisses you off because it doesn't sound like he's even that excited to be there. So no, I don't know. It it's like, just like it was a great game too. Yeah, like that, that totally got me jacked up to go to the the OU game. Yeah, and because I was like, man, I want to go see some football in person now. But like it was such a great game to watch. You never would have known it with those two idiots in the. Booth. I I don't know. I also sat there wondering how did this man recruit anybody. Like, how did he get players to come play for him? I mean, at Auburn, he probably just paid the kids. But I don't it, – it, it just didn't make sense to me. I mean, do you hate him as much as us, Josh? I – the thing – and carry that quote that you just did. And for the people that don't realize it, he's talking about the passing game and, you know, they, they don't live with the running game. He had literally just watched a game where two backs went over 100 yards and had three rushing touchdowns. Like, shut the hell up. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's – we all know the Big 12 throws the ball, but this it's this 
idea that it's still the Mike Leach Big 12. There are a lot of good backs in the Big 12, and he just saw probably one and two. And and by the he, way, everybody everybody killing OU last week for their defense, that Oklahoma State offense is, is one of the top two offenses in the entire country. Well, I'm sure we can get into it more, but it doesn't get any better than the uh, narrative that that TCU doesn't play defense anymore. And that was thrown out, and that might be the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Who, Who was that? that? I, I heard it too, Eddie. Uh, well, it was on, uh, I think it was, was on it College Football. It was one of those guys, and then uh, I think that somebody wrote an article just talking about, I think he gave him shame about uh, TCU not playing any defense. And it's oh. like, there's no, I mean, he said, that guy usually says dumb shit anyway, so it doesn't really matter. You know, the best thing about Tuberville happened after the game, though. Yes. Because uh, they do an instant analysis thing, and they had him do it, and somebody rec- the, the the mic was hot, and see this, we don't have to bleep it out, but uh, this was what happened after the game with Tommy Tuberville, kind of trying to record this little last segment that doesn't want to play on my computer right now. This is the part that. It kind of sucks because this this is the Tommy Tupperville that I think might be kind of a cool guy if you're drinking, sitting around drinking at a bar. I bet Tommy Tupperville has uh, gone and used the Hugh Freeze line a couple times before. He seems like that type of guy. What what the the stripper line or the hooker line or yeah, I bet he's had. Line? I bet Tommy Tupperville has had his fair share of hookers. Okay, here's Tommy Tupperville. We always knock this out the first time. Yeah. Yeah, right. Come on, let's go. Exciting game today here in Ames, Iowa. Oklahoma State coming out on top, basically on the last play of the game with an interception by a defense that bent but didn't break. Iowa State played very well. 91 points scored total, over 1,000 yards offense. That's a typical Big 12 game. 20 seniors from Iowa State, a dream season coming to an end. Oklahoma State keeping their chances alive. Mike's got to do it by himself now. <laughs> That's no fair. Don't make even, me do this shit. I don't shit. even take a dump on myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the best part. This is over what? the air, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you, dickhead. <laughs> Slap, slappy. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, I think that's Mike what they Patch talk about. Just happy to be here. Them folks stayed here to the end. So. They, talk, they talk about the you know their escort out, and now he's a Barney Fife and all this stuff, <laughs> which I'm sure was nice. That cop yeah. when he got home and realized, huh, they were talking shit on me. Yeah, these guys didn't really like me. No wonder they didn't tip me. So, uh, yeah, just what a moron. He he was he's an idiot. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think I said earlier, or during the broadcast on Saturday, they, I wouldn't put him in charge of a neighborhood bake sale. That's how big of an idiot I think Tom Tupperville is. They wanted him in at Tech. They wanted it, They wanted the the dressed up. I remember talking to Chris Level about this. What, Josh? Do you remember kind of when he took over? Like they didn't sign anybody, did they? Like they had a horrible time signing recruits. I mean, it's always tough at Tech. I mean, you guys, I've never been to Lubbock. You guys have been multiple times. I mean, that's that's not an easy sell. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, I, I think because all the things that while he was at Ole Miss and, you know, doing some of the things he was doing, the stuff that resonated with the media, the riverboat gambler and all that crap, kids don't care about that. 
Like they they're not like, oh, he'll go for it on fourth down and they'll go eight and four. Like he, he they don't give a shit. So I, I think that was always going to be the deal is like Tuberville had this reputation of this big personality, but he wasn't. He just was a guy that had a propensity to go for it in a in a weird situation. And it's it's funny because you listen to him and he's so it's not who he is. Like he's so boring on air. By the way, he was. But more then as excited. a coach, he was he was fairly enjoyable to watch because you knew he would, you know, kind of take the chances that maybe others wouldn't. He was more excited in that instant analysis clip than he was during the game because he knew he was getting out of there. Just, just total loser. All right, so the college football rankings come out. Oklahoma moves up to number four. Uh, Josh, I'll just throw this out first to you. What what surprised you most? about what you saw in the rankings. And I, you guys know that I've kind of gone off on some things already. I I am surprised that Oklahoma stayed behind Clemson. I thought Miami would jump them. The I don't have a huge problem with that. You said Oklahoma I don't, State. Oklahoma, you mean? I said Oklahoma I'm sorry. stayed. Oh, stayed. Okay. My I'm fault. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just thought that with the win over TCU, kind of answering that bell, and the way that Oklahoma played in that game, people – like, everybody's talking about the second half, and it's kind of ignored that Oklahoma, almost without question, played its best half of football in that first half. From the offensive, defensive, special teams, they dominated that game. And I, I just, I don't know that that got enough credit, and I keep looking at what Clemson's getting credit for. I mean, what what has Clemson done? And I keep seeing these list of quality wins, and I, I was talking to someone today, and I, you know, I guess I'd kind of missed this, that... Any quality win is a win over a team that is above 500. What the hell is that? Like that's a quality <laughs> win. Yeah, that, somebody had pointed out there was three six and four teams that Clemson was getting credit for, and Oklahoma had three wins over three five and five teams. Like you're gonna you're gonna use that as your metric. Well, I mean, name me the six and four team that Clemson beat that Kansas State couldn't play with, or the you know like. That's that's just crazy, and, and I don't and I don't understand it because I don't I don't ever understand when we're talking about the top four teams in the country, they should be beating number twenty to number twenty five fairly. I don't want to say easily, but they should be handling those games. To me, it's the top fifteen. That's when you get credit for something that matters to me. Um, but I mean, sixteen to twenty five, like. Oklahoma, most years that's going to be West Virginia or Kansas State. Oklahoma should win that game. Oklahoma at home should win that game pretty comfortably. And I keep looking at Clemson like they snuck by Wake Forest. Okay, like the Auburn win. People keep talking about, well, Kelly Bryant went out against um, a Syracuse. Okay, that's fine. The Auburn, like nobody watching that Auburn team feels like it's the Auburn team you're watching now. So why does it why does that stick not move? Like it, you you get it you get credit for what Clemson wasn't that night against Syracuse, but you ignore what Auburn wasn't that night. They were an offense that was still completely out of whack. Didn't have carry on Johnson who went nuts against Georgia last weekend. Like you, you can just go down the list, but Clemson gets credit for that while you know Oklahoma doesn't get any for TCU who's now number twelve drops tremendously over losing a road game to a top-five team while Georgia drops you know, the same amount of spots but is still completely in control of their destiny. It was I, I could have even lived with the way that the rankings came out last night. I think that, you know, Clemson, okay, whatever. Uh, Miami, I understand it. They haven't lost a game. Bama's Bama. 
Uh, OU, I thought was it's decent that they're fourth. I I didn't have any problem with that. But when Kirby Hokut opened his mouth last night and started sounding like a dumbass for the reasons that they put Clemson above Oklahoma, that really triggered me. He said, and there's the quote. It's the loss to Iowa State that did not allow Oklahoma to rank higher this week. Which, okay, that's that's fine. That's but then, fine, but I mean, you're acting like Iowa State wasn't in control of the Big 12 three days ago. Right. They didn't lose to a bunch of jackasses. They right. lost to one of the biggest stories in college football this year, Iowa State. And Iowa State lost their starting quarterback in that game against OSU. And Iowa State... Went to overtime with Iowa, who kicked the shit out of Ohio State. That that is too much factual concepts there, Kerry. I, I I don't think that God, I I just it pisses me off so much. Kirby Hokut did no himself no favors last night, and it happens every year. It seems like they get the guy on ESPN and he talks about their decision making, and then he it's should, like he should come out in a goddamn gimp suit <laughs> because he is their bitch. <laughs> A ball gag in a gift suit when he does his ESPN interview. Because he does not have a mind of his own. It, it, it's apparently not. Apparently not. And, and then the the whole thing with uh, the injury situation, weren't they getting beat when he got out? He went out they anyways? They were up uh, I thought they were down. Seven, seven, I thought they were they down. 17-14. Yeah, 17-14. They were down. for him to act like, oh, I mean. And he I was playing. And, the, they, and they were losing. Right. Yeah. And. Abdul Adams and uh, C.D. Lamb did that. Were they not injured? C.D. Lamb got hurt scoring a touchdown on right. the first touchdown drive of the game. That's what just doesn't make sense to me. If they're going to make an excuse for one team and then not make an excuse for the other, but Iowa State. I mean, their loss to Iowa State is keeping them. Please, Ohio State is ranked ahead of OSU, and they got throttled by Iowa. Penn State and Oklahoma State both have a similar team that they played. Go look it up. It's Pitt. Guess what happened in that game? Penn State won 33 to 14. Oklahoma State won 59 to 21 at Pitt. And a game that OSU literally probably could have scored two yes, or three more touchdowns. They kicked the shit out of them. Like, I mean, just obliterated. There them. were people sleeping at hat before halftime yes. in the stadium. There's <laughs> No, that's right. They <laughs> caught people sleeping in the sleeping. stands. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense and, you know, I guess I can understand uh, that's why people were so triggered last night, including yourself, Carrie. It just it doesn't make any sense on what they are saying in the direction of, I guess, the decision-making process. And when you look at the playoff committee going into this year, it does make sense, though. There are a bunch of old old people on there that I think are just appalled by the situation of it's the Big It's the same thing defense. as it was last year. It, it, it's the perception, the national perception has made its way into that committee room where all they think is if you're you're not playing great defense, you're not a good football team. When Oklahoma has beat Ohio State, they've beaten Oklahoma State, both on the road. They've beaten TCU, like Josh just said. That win got absolutely no bump for beating the number six team in the country. It I don't, makes no sense. I don't under and I don't understand also why everybody's so focused on defense when I mean arguably OU's has one of the best offenses right now, maybe of like all time in the stats era. With ESPN's like you know yeah. their weird weird ass stats or whatever, it just it doesn't make sense why you they focus on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I don't know. It it just seems honestly it just seems really really messed up. I've changed my mind. Kirby Hoka, you're on top of Idiot Mountain. Oh no, 
Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. The wrong AD got fired today. I'm just going to say that. It is, and it. I, th- I saw somebody say on Twitter last night, too, and I thought it was pretty funny that Jeff it's, Long it's ironic him. that Kirby Hokut is the holder of all defensive truths when <laughs> Texas Tech hasn't played a single lick of defense in the last 15 years. We should literally let Mike Stoops put a chain around him with that gimp suit on and just lead him around if they win the national championship. I'd, the Maybe thing we that, arrange that, that bothers me, and Eddie, you kind of went into it, why is it only defense that matters? Why, why, is, why is it okay that Alabama looked wildly oh, mediocre God. on offense on Saturday? They had one play, get it to Calvin Ridley. That's the, only, that's the, that's the option we have, and that's okay. But if Oklahoma's mediocre, I, hell, look at Clemson. Clemson's damn near 40th in the country in total offense right now. People keep treating them like they're the Deshaun Watson Clemson. They're not. They're a defensive team that has to get by with some big plays from time to time offensively. That's how they're moving the ball. Kelly Bryant is not moving the ball consistently. And anybody trying to – and that's why the whole thing with him being out against Syracuse, people forget – Clemson was losing that game when he went out. Like it's That's, not like he was the deciding factor. They were in trouble before he got hurt. And then the other thing on top of all that, Josh, is the fact that Kirby Hokup brings up the fact that Iowa State's a four-loss team. Syracuse has lost six games, four and six, and they gave up. Syracuse they gave up sixty-four points to Wake Forest on Saturday. Wake Forest. Wake Forest is known for two things. They're not North Carolina and Duke, and they, <laughs> Tim Duncan went there. That's the only thing that people care about Wake Forest. And maybe Skip Prosser, RIP. Oh, Ed, Eddie, went, Eddie went with a little heart there at the end. I like that. Eddie's showing all of his sides. It's a, that was the Sears moment for Eddie. That was a softer side. Skip Prosser's dead. Isn't he? I thought one of their coaches died. Bobby Crimmins is still – is he still no, – I'm thinking Georgia Tech now. I was going to say, that's Tech. I think, Hang yeah, I think you're right. I think Skip Prosser did Yeah, that. July 26, 2007. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, 10, <laughs> ten years. Rest in peace. Well, we're, we're up to date on all the current basketball events. So, uh, all right. Uh, so, I, I, it's just I bullshit. Mean, I, look, here's the, the thing. Yes. And I have perspective, which is if OU wins out, they're fine. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, I know Josh loves I, his. his we can go. We can do this if you want. I just see, <laughs> I just see Josh with it's the it's the uh, meme from Hangover when he's when it's uh, Alan, Alan's trying to he's got all the numbers floating in front of him like he's Rain Man like that's oh. like that's Josh when this discussion comes up. I just yeah. I this is this is my deal, Josh. I don't think that there is any way that if OU were to run out, win the table, and Baker wins the Heisman or is going to win the Heisman. Uh, there's no way that they leave them out of the playoffs. There's just no way that they would do that to TV ratings. People keep saying that. I, you're talking about human beings, and I'll tell you what what tells me that that's going to be an issue, that mm-hmm. people keep saying the Heisman, that's going to be somehow a deciding because factor. it's, it's going to be after the announcement, right? Well, not even that. That's exactly what – because I, I think, guys, unless Baker Mayfield goes out and has a nuclear meltdown these last three games – right. The, He's winning the Heisman. Right. Like, I mean, it, it, that that's coming. Like, I think everybody can see it. So forget all that. If they're sitting there in the committee and they're saying to themselves, okay, we've got Oklahoma. or uh, Let me just lay out my, my possibility. And this is the only way that I see Oklahoma not getting in. This is the only thing that works. If Alabama beats Auburn, 
Then I, I, I excuse me, Alabama and Georgia go to the SEC championship game. Georgia beats Alabama in a close one. It's got to be like 27-24, great game, kind of like that uh, game a couple years ago with A.J. McCarron and um, uh, Aaron Murray when they played a really just a great SEC championship game. Let the time just run out on the clock. That was Exactly, yeah, like just something real narrow. Wisconsin's got to go undefeated. They have to win the Big Ten. They have to be unscathed. At that point, obviously Miami or Clemson's in. Who if they both if they you know again things could get real crazy. But if if they both lose a game, then OU's fine. But one of those two has to run the table. If those three things happen, you've got either Miami or Clemson undefeated, or Clemson with one loss. The undefeated na- or not the undefeated, the defending national champions. Clemson's in. Period. It, or Miami, whichever one it's going to be. Then you've got Georgia. They're going to go in because they just won the SEC championship game and beat Bama on a neutral field. They're in. So then you've got Oklahoma, you've got Bama, and you've got Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to be an undefeated Big Ten champion. I, I think the committee's really going to have a hard time saying no. So then you've got one spot, and it's Bama or it's Oklahoma. And I get it that Oklahoma is going to have the Heisman Trophy winner and they're going to have one loss and all of those things. And I think they should be in. I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I think Oklahoma would be deserving of that fourth spot. But if you think that Alabama doesn't carry unnatural weight with that committee, you're kidding yourself. They're number one in the country and haven't beaten anyone of note. Right. Well, I, you know, two things. I, I, I guess had, I'm going to play the theme from a beautiful mind as we continue <laughs> this discussion. That I think that situation is obviously that is the number one doomsday scenario and i think there would have to be a lot of things for that to happen and for sure. that, all that to happen i mean that is obviously that is the one thing that you if you're an oklahoma fan you do not want to happen like that exactly. is exactly that is and doomsday 100 percent if any of those three things do not happen ou's in as long as obviously they cover their basis and they they win the next three games they're in it's just that exact scenario. I, I think it's a coin flip, and I, I, I bet you money they'd pick Bama. I just, I don't think they're going to turn away Alabama with one loss, losing to Georgia in the SEC championship game. It would be very interesting, and either way, they are completely shitting on a national blue blood brand. Guess what? Guys? Oh yeah. Guess what, guys? <laughs> Auburn's running through everybody. Oh. Auburn's gonna Auburn's gonna beat Alabama. Alabama's not good enough to beat Auburn this year. If if oh. they play like they did against Georgia, it's in Auburn. Yes, I don't. I, I feel like everybody's jumping on that Auburn hype train. Like this is well, then Georgia's terrible. I, I, and Notre Dame is terrible. I think guys, there's we, a chance we talked of, about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Right. That Georgia, there was a lot of belief that I'm not sure was justified. Well, that's like, a, I mean, I'm that's not saying a, they were bad. This is I the just, problem. Like, team in the country. And, the, and the, the other thing is this, like, okay, so I, I don't want to be the cusser today. I don't want to be the overcusser today. But Do it. feels it good. Is. It feels real good when you leave, too. Am I wrong, or did Notre Dame f- destroy USC just a few weeks ago? Like, how, Utterly... how is USC rated above OSU and TCU. It makes no sense. None of them have a loss like that. It makes no sense. I, I think o- the Oklahoma State thing, and I saw you talking about this on Twitter last night, Kerry, they just don't have any solid wins, and they've lost both of their games have been at home, I guess, is the is their biggest. And when I say OSU, I'm talking about Oklahoma State, obviously. I just said TOSU. Oh, you, you're talking about Ohio State? No, no, no. I'm talking about OSU, Ohio, oh, okay. Oklahoma State, yeah. I, I just... 
it, it doesn't. There's a lot of questions that that go into where Here's, they just the, the committee does not think much of the Big Twelve. It's very no, obvious. It's it, and it 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 it's a grudge that they're holding, and it's obvious. I mean. There is no real, and here's the thing: like if OSU and TCU are ranked where they're supposed to be, then OU has three wins against the top ten. Yeah, in the foot in the college football rankings, there are people in that room. I, I I've never called. I've never been a truther, Eddie. I've left that up to you, but I'm calling conspiracy here because if you have OSU and TCU ranked where they're supposed to be ranked, OU would be the only team. They would be number one by a mile because they'd be the only team with three wins over top ten teams. Well, I guess oh, that'd knock Ohio State down. But the, the same time, I mean, I think that you're... But would that be 9-10-11 or 8-9-10? What's Ohio State? Ohio State is ninth in this. So it'd be, they'd be at three wins against the top 11. You know who I'm... But, but here's... I mean, this is the thing. It's like the SEC sucks so bad that we're not finding out anything about a team like Georgia. And we're really not finding out much about Alabama either. Because this co- that conference blows. And the Pac-12 is the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Guys, that- you want the perfect example of the just hatred for the Big 12? Oklahoma State last week was 15. They go to Iowa State, beat a good Iowa State team in Ames, which is, for anyone that knows college football, that's a tough place to play. They go in, do that in November, no less, with Iowa State having everything in the world to play for. And Oklahoma State goes in and wins. They move up two spots. Penn State beats Rutgers, who is awful. Yeah, who was beating? They were beating Penn State after the first quarter. It, and then I, they beat them 35-6 to six at home. Like, this is not, I mean, that's not an impressive win. And they um, moved up four I, spots. I, I knew that there was something. How? There How was, did that happen? There was something awry when I when I saw 25 through 21, and you didn't see West Virginia in there, but Boise State, Memphis, and LSU were in there. Like, yeah, I, that just doesn't make sense to me. I think Memphis is a great story. Get out of my playoffs, though. You're not beating anybody good. I mean, they beat UCLA, but we all know that UCLA is a fledgling program, and I, I, they steals, didn't have Josh Rosen obviously in that steals, game. Yeah, well, no, they had Josh Rosen at, at Memphis. I watched that game. I thought they didn't. I have thought him. no, he did. I if I'm trying to remember if he finished. Yeah, yeah, he played because he and the quarterback from I thought he threw an interception uh, Memphis in the game. just went okay, nuts. Yeah, you guys are right. Yeah. Well, it, it, I don't. The other the other crazy thing though too is, is the fact that I think. I think there's a very good chance. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend against Michigan. Probably not. I think Ohio State would throttle Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State and Penn State are essentially the same football team. I don't I know mean, who they are. They've got some weapons, but they're not consistent offensively. And they you know, they, they both have quarterbacks that are up and down. Like Penn State, their tight end is fantastic. I don't know that kid's name. Kasicki. Yeah, Kasicki. He's He looks like a Greek god. He's he's very good, uh, and and we all know Saquon Barkley is a really good running back. I know he's not getting a lot of yards. I think their offensive line must not be very good. Yeah, I don't think they are. I mean, Guys, I, I think that's why they had to do some stuff with McSworley earlier in the year, like move him around and shit. Yeah, he they they get him on the run a lot because he can't stand in the pocket. Yeah. I mean, they just they get well. Eaten Ohio up. State obliterated him. Yeah, absolutely. More more rankings chaos. Mississippi State. I didn't notice this until just now. I'm sitting here looking at the rankings. They didn't drop a single spot. Yeah, they stayed the same after losing to Alabama. Washington loses by eight on the road to a good Stanford team who's also in the 25. 
They dropped nine spots. <laughs> How the shit? It makes and no Mississippi sense. State has terrible losses, don't they? They got killed by Georgia. I'd have to hang on. I'm pulling it up right now. They got. I know oh, yeah. that Georgia, Georgia was their first loss. Them. They got yeah. massacred. They got killed by even. They got beat even worse at Auburn the next week, and then lost. Uh, and that the Alabama lost. There's nothing wrong with that loss. I mean, they they were winning that game for a huge portion of it. You know, to use another one of the committee's former words, you know, game control. They they had a lot of game control in that one, but they got murdered by Georgia and Auburn. I'm looking at the college football playoff committee. I didn't realize some of these guys were on it. Uh, who's in charge of keeping Herb Duramedy awake after the, 8 o'clock? See the old uh, like Virginia coach or something? Or Central Michigan. Okay. like Somebody has to keep him awake and change his diaper, I would think. <laughs> yeah, they've got some olds in there. Frank Beamer, Jeff Bauer. Is Barry Herb, Alvarez old gone? Herb. He's gone because I had... Like, I had an entire like paragraph of drafts saved that were ready to go in on Barry Alvarez, and then <laughs> I realized that he wasn't on the committee. Well, he and Osborne were, yeah, they were beating that defense drum. Just a bunch of uh, guys that are so stuck in their old ways that, I mean, actually, now that I think about it, Tom Osborne shouldn't be allowed to talk for what he what has happened to his football program. They gave up a, like 400 yards on the ground this weekend or last weekend to Minnesota. So, does Jeff Long lose his seat? No. They said earlier today that he gets to stay on the committee. He can't run an athletic uh, program, but, <laughs> but he, he can run, run the he can run the uh, college football playoff. That's all the you need to know. The most important thing in college sports. He yeah. can handle that. Got it. Well, his own football. Kind of like Kirby Hocutt. The, the people that are on this thing that are athletic directors have shitty football programs. <laughs> yeah, if you can't run your own goddamn program, you shouldn't be allowed <laughs> in charge of the college football playoff. All right, uh, let's move on a little bit because the, the Sooners do have a game this week. Uh, they just beat TCU. It was a fantastic performance. Uh, Baker Mayfield was outstanding in the first half. It was kind of strange watching it as it all kind of got shut down. But really what you come out of that game with, guys, I think is the biggest question mark is the secondary. Now, maybe not question mark, but just that is a really interesting development that we've seen happen And that Parnell Motley was able to play. He just got benched. And uh, Jordan Thomas, who apparently was out tailgating, didn't even come to the game. And then uh, I asked Lincoln Riley about that this week uh, at his press conference, and uh, here he is. Lincoln, I asked because people saw him outside before the game, but we didn't see Jordan Thomas with the team. Is he, what's his status? No, he's, he, he's, he's with us. You know, he was injured and out for this game, and, uh, and we made a uh, – we had – there was a team decision that, uh, that he wasn't going to be on the sideline this game. And before I could follow it up with uh, what do you mean team decision, uh, somebody else jumped in with a question that was irrelevant. Uh, was it about football? Uh, it, they got back to football. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't Dean. He didn't do it. it was, <laughs> no, he didn't show up this weekend. He wasn't there this week. Uh, but uh, Barry Trammell did circle back around uh, and asked him kind of to clarify everything. Lincoln, a little uh, clarification on Jordan Thomas. You said team decision not to be on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Is that like for medical purposes? or Medical purposes, yes. Morning, near into yeah, sometimes those guys are a little limited where they can they can move around and our sideline, especially we, we ended up we made the decision to dress a bunch of guys for the sideline. We thought our scout team had a really strong week of preparation, so that's one of the different ways that we reward those guys when they're doing well. And you get a million people down there, and it just I, we we talked about it a little bit and we said ah I don't want him getting rolled up down there. 
And this kind of spurned some rumors uh, because, you know, the fan sites and stuff are trying to put out, you know, half information, you know, whatever post. And, the sun will come up tomorrow, uh, but it could be cloudy, but the sun <laughs> might come up. Uh, so, you know, it, you had all this hysteria like, oh, my God, is Jordan Thomas mad? And is he quit the team? And uh, he wasn't at practice. He's been at practice all week. Now, he hasn't been dressed out at all. So that tells you kind of where he is injury wise. Uh, I don't know, you know. I assume that it is some type of uh, uh, sprain that he's got, uh, whether it's ankle or knee. I, th- I would believe it to be knee based on the brace he was wearing after the OSU game. But let's put one thing to rest: Jordan Thomas is still on the team. He's probably he's, he seems to be very questionable for this week. As we said, hasn't even uh, dressed up for practice yet this week, but. What it comes down to, guys, is OU is looking like they're going to move forward with their two true freshman corners. It was that whole situation, like with the press conference, just with the way that they answered things, the follow-up question, it definitely made me like, like Yeah, I came out huh? of there going, like, there's what? something going what on. What is going on here? Yeah. It was that, was that was very weird, but, I mean, to be honest, I, I, it almost feels like he was going to be benched anyway. Oh, I think he was, yeah. Like, both of them. Well, I mean, and, and maybe they are benching Motley because... Both of those freshmen were... They were good on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they were tested the way that maybe a Will Greer will test them, but that was that was very sh- strong, though, I would say, the performance from Trey Brown Trey and Trey Brown, Norwood. Yeah, they, the they trays, played really well. Los, Los Trey's. And, yeah, I do kind of wonder, like, if they had to bench Motley just because they, they were like, look, Jordan Thomas... We can't just bench him. He's he, he's he's been a I mean Motley's been as much a problem as, as Jordan Thomas has been. And it's it's been weird too the way that they've kind of handled Parnell Motley just in that like every time that his name has come up out even after the game uh, up in Stillwater I thought it was strange the way that Mike Stoops answered uh, questions about like him going moving forward just in the fact that he said something to the effect of uh, you know talking about different. I forgot how he mentioned it, but here I've got put it for it. you. Here, here, here it is. How did the, uh, the true freshman take? You know, find another starter than your upperclassmen who've been multi-year starter. They take it. Oh, I, you know, where do they? The, the upperclass, they don't have. I mean, there's nothing. You know, they've had plenty of opportunities. You know, and we've stuck by them and through thick and thin. And you know, there comes a time where you gotta you gotta do something. So, um, you know, that's is what it is. And you know what? I asked Mike yesterday uh, kind of about Parnell Motley because, I mean, it's really strange. You guys remember, go back to the beginning of the season, go back to Ohio State. He was was the only guy that was making plays for this defense at one point in this season. Just got beat down over the season. Has gotten, I think he's gotten beat down and then lost confidence and then you lose your technique and then you're, then you're really shit crook. I don't even know what? what that word is. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say Did the F word. you say shit truck or crook? No, I said shit crocked. I think that that's a new word. <laughs> We're going to have to check Urban Dictionary and see if that's allowed. So I had a chance to talk to Mike Stoops yesterday at practice just about Parnell Motley and the fact that, yeah, you know what? What happened to this guy? Like, what's the deal? And uh, here's, here's kind of what he had to say. Mike, when you started the season, Parnell was really one of your biggest playmakers with him is it a is it an injury situation is it just a confidence thing oh you know it's you know there's there's you know there's a lot of things that you know it's a long season and 
you're going to have ups and downs throughout it, um, and you just got to work through it. It's you know it's on, it's not like a you know a batter that goes in a slump. You just got to you know keep working your way out of it. Uh, you got to find something in your game and, and and really evaluate what you're doing mentally and physically, and and try to put yourself in a better position to make plays so you can go out there your preparation. So you know there's there's you know what you know there's there's some things that you know. You know that that he has to evaluate too, and and try to get himself in better position to make plays. Can you tell how uncomfortable Mike Stoops is talking about that right there? About benching Motley, well, just about what he's, you know, what happened to him. Yeah, that, I mean that's why I kind of thought it was strange because he was a, a little bit like that after the way that I guess the what I'm saying is the way that he talked about after I believe the Bedlam game was it almost made it seem like there were some outside motives that have been affecting the way Motley's playing. Yeah. I don't I, I mean I have no idea what that would be. I know that there's a bunch of rumors about Jordan Thomas that have been strange. But we know Jordan Thomas is he's he's had some knucklehead in him. Like there there has to be a reason me. for him to have been so bad this year. Like there I think that there Jordan is Jordan Thomas yes, you mean there is something going on. I don't know if it's off the field. I don't know if it's on the field and he's just lost all confidence in himself, but like you can't this is a guy that I, I was talking to somebody before post-practice interviews on Tuesday, just the fact that, like, I think in the Sugar Bowl game last year, the one of the color commentators like, this guy's a surefire first-round draft pick next year. And it's like, what the hell has happened to this guy? He is awful. And he came back to be a first-rounder. I mean, that's what's... He came back to be awful. He The way that he's played this year, he would have been better off leaving after last year. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he has cost himself, I would say... At least six figures, but but you say cost himself, but but he did it to himself. Oh no, yeah. I mean, there's nobody to blame but himself. So he I, done I, up. Hold on, mark it. Writing stuff down. It's it's been bad though. I I just I don't understand it. I mean, Josh, do you have any explanation for the downfall of Jordan Thomas or Parnell? Maybe or or Parnell Lotley, or maybe we should just talk more about the freshmen and how well they've played. <laughs> With Motley, it looked, it, it's always looked to me like, you know, and I, I thought Mike kind of, I think he might even have just flat out said it after the Oklahoma State game is there was, you know, some confident stuff and it was getting into his head and he, he would just wasn't doing the things he can do. While with, uh, with Thomas, I can't ever tell if he, every time he gets beat, if he just fakes the injury or if there's something going on with him where he's not right, and they were just playing him because they didn't think the freshmen were ready, or whatever it was, you know. But some like we going all the way back to the Baylor game, Eddie. We talked about it on the pod. Immediately, he started grabbing his knee and kind of acting funky and acting like it didn't feel good. And then he'll come back the next week and act like everything's fine. But it's always the leg, the lower leg. Like so, I can't help but thinking like. This can't all be fake. Some something is wrong because it's a don't mental get me wrong. thing. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Thomas. I, I I think the idea he was gonna be a first round pick is it was wrong. It was wrong from the beginning. But he's better than this. That the, there's something up. Like that's not who Jordan Thomas is. Now, I'm not saying he's a elite guy, but he's got three years of pretty good tape, and then this year he's just been a, an abomination. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, but. I think what we can look at is freshmen moving forward. They're going to have every opportunity until they prove they can't do it, which Kansas, 
you better not screw up against Kansas. That that should be easy. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a real problem if you're gonna have issues against Kansas. Yeah, I that, I would think so. I mean, it it I I think the one thing though is something that uh, we've been saying for a long time on this podcast is just the fact that if you're gonna go out and lose, at least do it with a sense of I don't know, like make me act like you want to be there. At least do that for me, and I could live with everything else. I just think that Jordan Thomas gets so down on himself. Like it's not like he doesn't want to be on this earth when he gets beat. Like, well, it's not I about mean, football or anything. It's just if, if it's he like has that, serious, he's playing the wrong sport and especially the wrong position. He just has a serious confidence issue. That's not what you want to be saying about. But a the thing is, even when he conference. does everything that he's supposed to do, he still doesn't make the play. <laughs> I mean, there has been some balls that. You can't play it any better. You can't be in better position. You just, you got to get your it's hand like, on it. And Trey Norwood has gotten his hand on it. It's like that play that happened in the end zone where Trey Norwood actually had a PI. He had a personal a pass interference. But the guy was going to catch the ball and get a touchdown regardless. But he still knocked the ball out of his hands. Like, it was a brilliant play on his part. Even though he got the penalty. Like, that's something that OU's DBs and corners haven't been doing probably since Zach Sanchez was around. And we saw a little bit of it with Parnell Motley, but that's out the window. That's gone now. You want to... Let me make sure I'm getting this right. You know how many pass breakups Trey Norwood has? Three. Five. Wow. You know how many uh, Jordan Thomas had? Two. 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 That's incredible. Trey Norwood has played like five quarters of meaningful football. Yeah. He's he's done a good job. Uh, I, I mean, look, this is something that everybody's going to keep monitoring. But if they play well, I thought you know, Neville Gallimore coming back was a big boost. It's huge uh, to their defense. Their defensive line played really well against TCU, uh, and we kind of only touched on it. But man, you know, coming out of that game, you think to yourselves, okay, well, OU's probably going to play TCU again. That doesn't scare you know. If if you're a fan, you're like you're like that doesn't scare me. What I do think you thought was, hopefully we play TCU again and not Oklahoma State, because I think Oklahoma State's a, if they and TCU played again today, I think Oklahoma State wins by a touchdown. Yeah, if I do too. Ten. I do too. Two. I feel like Kenny Hill has come back to being Kenny Hill. Like he he's yeah. more of the guy that I recognize and I. Unless Oklahoma State just had all the turnover problems and all the issues that they did to themselves they had against four TCU. turnovers in that game. Yeah, if they could avoid that, I I think they're clearly a better team than TCU. And remember, is. they lost two of their starters on their offensive line on the right side. Like the right side of their offensive line was just trashed during that game. And now all those yep. guys are healthy. It's and and probably their best lineman in that group is Crabtree. Yeah, and then Lundblade was out for a long time. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be really interesting. See. What- TCU does this weekend in Lubbock. It it almost sounds like God, if Hill they're using. Play. It almost sounds like I I heard a interview with a TCU reporter on the way up here or down here, Carrie. It sounds like uh, to an extent that they want to go with Sean Robinson because the offense has been that bad with Kenny Hill the last couple. Weeks. They put in Sean Robinson for a series. I know, and that it, must it, have been when he got banged up. It almost sounds like they're using like Gary Patterson's using the injury thing as almost a little bit of a crux to set to say this is why we're going to put Sean Robinson in but I don't know it's going to be interesting I, I think TCU maybe wins to this massage weekend. his ego or something yeah or a little bit I think TCU still wins though I, I just Texas not very good that's basically what I think but it will be interesting 
So I, I mean, I, I do think if you're an OU fan, you, you, I think you just want everybody to win out the rest of the way, whether and it's Iowa State, OSU, or TCU. Yeah, don't you want? That's kind of what I was thinking a little bit last night. Is don't you want TCU to win that game, just so TCU stays up? I mean, if you're shit, they'll probably fan, win. By, they'll probably win by four touchdowns this weekend in Lubbock and drop five spots in the college football playoff. <laughs> If you're just a general fan, you probably would want to have OU play OSU in the championship just because right. I do think those are the two best teams. Oh, who wouldn't want to see Bedlam? Yeah, Bedlam I mean, Park a game two. that was 59-52? Yeah, give me that again, please. I'm sure Mike Stoops doesn't want to see that again. The best thing that could have happened, though, was, I guess, Iowa State beating Oklahoma State because I think anybody that plays Iowa State in the Big 12 championship probably would have got or probably would beat them by three touchdowns. Especially if but Zeb Nolan's in charge. Here's the other thing. Like, the committee... Back to the committee. I'm sorry. The committee didn't take into account that Iowa State had a quarterback that, as Eddie says, point-shaved in that Texas loss. Absolutely. No doubt. Jacob I, Park I can't believe that people don't talk about that. People don't talk the about only, that enough. Yeah, the only bad loss that they have is when they had a different quarterback who was terrible. And now he is... I don't even know where Jacob Parks is. It's Probably amazing that rehab both or somewhere. Kyle Kemp and that Zeb Nolan guy are both head and shoulders better than what's his name. It almost Cody makes me Park. maybe Matt Campbell's shaving points in that Texas game. I I hope Iowa State can hold on to him. I think it'll be tough. Their buyout on him is huge. That's that's going to take a real commitment from somebody big. The conference needs. There's plenty him of to stay. there's plenty of big. Big time programs looking for head coaches these days. Oh, you're not wrong. I mean, it's but it's not just. I mean, Matt Campbell's got one good year at a major level. Yeah, that's a scary. Yeah. If I'm Florida, you know, that's a scary hire for me. That's yep. a, it's, he's it's done more a, than Scott Frost. Well, I don't. I'm not hiring Scott Frost either. Yeah, that's true. Well, could you? Well, I mean, I'm talking about that along with the buyout. Not all. I mean, if it's one or the other, uh, okay. Was Scott Frost but, even calling plays when he was Oregon's offensive coordinator? He took over i think after um he was in that bowl game wasn't he he was in the bowl game and then i think he did maybe for like a year was it with helfrick after he ran oregon into the ground yeah but helfrick was calling the plays i thought the entire time that i thought he took over like halfway through the season and started calling his own stuff I, i'm not i can't I, yeah, i'd have on to that, ask like though. schroeder or something but it doesn't matter if you're head coach i mean kevin someone became a head coach without calling plays as a coordinator at OU. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think, you know, keeping Matt Campbell in, in, in the conference would be huge. We'll see if somebody takes that, that shot at him. Uh, all right, one thing I wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to, Josh is uh, the, the big Jordan brand announcement that happened this week, and uh, I know you did a video, I did a write-up on it, uh, but Lincoln Riley was asked about it uh, at his press conference on Monday, and here's what he had to say. And the response in recruiting's been great. I mean, the, it's the best. It's the brand that players want to be in. I mean, it just it is. It's 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 the best thing out there. And and part of it is there. You know, the Jordan brand is so select. You know, it's it's not like any team can just go and sign with them. Teams are handpicked. You know, they're athletes that they that they endorse are handpicked. And it's such a small select group that, and the quality, uh, the name behind it, all that is so good. Um, it's just going to be – there's a lot of things that separate Oklahoma, and this you can add this to the list. And, you know, it, it, it's – Josh has kind of become one of those things now. Like, if 
and it's happened to me even just a little bit. I'm not even a kid, but like you look at the OU logo now, and it's different. I mean, like the perception of it is no longer. And this is not a shot at Bob Stoops, but it used to be okay. That's a blue blood program. It's kind of like looking at uh, Duke basketball. Like it's it's kind of not stale, but it's a little sterile, and you know just not not really. You don't think of it as fun like Michigan. You always think of the Fab Five, and then they they become a Jordan Brand school in football, and you're like, man, that's a kind of a hip program. You know, kind of a, a hip organization now you know you combine that jordan brand thing and it's almost like in, in the new facilities and it's like OU has really kind of become a hip football program all of a sudden they they have like and it, it's how it you think about it this happened in the matter of what about a year i mean where oklahoma all of a sudden kind of started doing some different things they got big on social and they we used to talk about this guys two years ago that Oklahoma was just steady. They were always going to be where they were. They and were they boring. Were, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. It's I, I tried to go nice with it, but you're right. They're, they're, I mean, it was just boring. Like they, Everybody knew what you were going to be from year to year to year, and there is a strength in that, but I don't think it's what resonates with, with players, especially you know this current era where these guys want to be big and brash and out there in front of people. And like Lincoln Riley said, man, this just – Every time a, a kid watches an OU game, they're going to see that freaking Jumpman logo, and they're going to, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I am even young enough to understand it, but it matters to these kids. It really does. Now, I will say in all my conversations, talking with kids from a, off a big visit weekend, I can't think of it coming up without me asking about it. But still, when, when we do talk about it, it's oh man, that's amazing! You know that they would pick Oklahoma. It says you know a lot about the program. You know, obviously some of that they're they're almost reciting what they've heard from Lincoln Riley and company. But still, I mean, it's it's a really big deal, and it, it will help Oklahoma in recruiting. I think people. I had some people ask me last night, was it going to give them like two or three spots in the rivals' top ten? I'm not saying that. I mean that that's that's a little extreme, but. Do I think there's a guy out there that probably would pick Oklahoma that maybe wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, probably. It. I think it just kind of goes into everything that they've built as far as momentum when you throw in Baker Mayfield. like Just from a social media aspect, Baker Mayfield moves the needle more than anything I can ever remember any time that I've ever covered OU. You put something out on Baker Mayfield, it gets retweeted like, like unstoppable. Rose. Got bromance. Well, that might be it too, but uh, it, it, it's crazy though. Does but Sam get jealous of your bromance with? Baker? I don't know. I haven't talked to Sam in a while. Uh, <laughs> he's he's busy. He's a busy man. He's well, a busy that sounded man. more like a shot to me. Like won't return my phone call. If he and... if 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 he you know doesn't want to talk to you, you'll go get a new quarterback best friend. <laughs> yeah, I I sh- I only f- quarterbacks. <laughs> that's that's a. Uh, that's a that's a rule in my household. Oh my god! Okay, I'm gonna approve that f bomb. But I will say, I, going back to the Jordan Brand stuff, and I think even uh, did it James Prashilla tweet you something? It is a yeah. huge deal in he the said, basketball department. Yeah, he I, said I went over and talked to the basketball guys yesterday, and Trey Young could not have been. He even hinted that he knew this had been coming for a while, and 
you know, he didn't say that's why I'm here. Yeah. But he was like, I think it only further added to Oklahoma's pitch. Well, I think it's it's not so much like with football, like basketball, it's everything. I mean, you know, it's 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 what you wear on the court, it's what you wear off the court. But I think like with football, my, maybe I'm wrong. Like I'm I'm older than Josh, so I'm even more out of the loop. The the sense I get is it's more about kind of the stuff you get off the field than it is what you're oh, wearing no on doubt. the field. No doubt. I mean, the shoes, I, yeah, the warm ups. Because like we've seen like OU and we were research I was researching this for the story I wrote like Florida and and OU both like their bowl sweats were Jordan brand and so like there were some people in Florida that were like jumping the gun like oh Florida switching to Jordan they're gonna become a Jordan brand yeah. school but no I mean that that's Nike's kind of been doing that for people recently they, especially they, the they bigger send teams. out little teases almost yeah so uh but no like so now they're everyday warm-up gear is going to be Jordan brand, which is a big lifestyle brand. It, it, I, I just don't think that people can grasp how big of a deal it is. And they're, and especially now, I'll in say this, world. like it, it, it's still, you know, you guys know how it goes. You know how this goes, Josh, like some kids are really into that stuff where other kids are just like, I don't really care about clothes. Yeah. We like, kind of, especially after practice yesterday, we kind of caught the two guys that I think Caleb Kelly was pretty cool about it, but I don't think Amani Bledsoe could. Really Amani care. Bledsoe does not give a shit about no. <laughs> you know Jordan I mean, Brand. I I think it's it's like a lot of those kids though. Even if you don't care about it, you're like, oh, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, at least people that see me wearing this are gonna like right, what I'm wearing. Right. It's like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and my mom would take us to Ross, dress for less, and my brother would only buy Ralph Lauren. Like, like if they didn't have. His shirt in his size, and and Ralph Lauren, he didn't want it. It's like pretty. He wouldn't get Izod or, you know, Izod when I was growing up was not like it is now. Got to get the Gator. Lacoste. Lacoste is. But so like it, but it's like that. It's like if you're snobby about your clothing, right? You want Jordan Brand, which I think. You know, for the most part, I a lot think of people athletes, are. especially athletes. Well, I mean, with, you know, hip hop and all that stuff now, I mean, swag is part of culture. Yeah, no doubt. It's a huge deal, though. I never thought I'd just randomly have that conversation. Swag is part of culture. I'm too old to be talking like that. We uh, are your culture let, 101. Let's wrap this up with Lincoln Riley and the Jordan brand stuff. And I did ask him kind of about facilities, Jordan brand, how all these things are kind of coming together to kind of make OU cool. You, you got here when you know the new facilities were getting ready to come in. From the time you got here to now, the Jordan brand stuff, just how much has that done for the perception of the program with, with younger people specifically? I think it's done a lot. You know, There's always been a great history here, and I think what we've tried to do is fight the balance between, not fight, find the balance between honoring the past and all that's been done here in the incredible history of Oklahoma football athletics, this university, but also pushing towards the future and being new and being current and continuing to, to push the issue so that we can continue to get better. And uh, all of those things that you named have been big steps in that. So the yeah, the best way to honor the past probably be winning a national championship and they could probably wear whatever they want. Well, and, and Josh, wouldn't it be huge for OU to be able to say they, along with Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, are the only teams that have been to multiple college football playoffs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that, this is 
the, you know, there's all kinds of teams that will make it in there once. Oregon got in. You know, I mean, you can go down the list. There's plenty of teams that have been there one time. But when you're on that short list, I mean, you're, I mean, look at it. You're talking about three other teams that have won national championships in this era. So obviously, if Oklahoma can join that club, then it goes even farther. But just being there consistently and saying, you know, year in and year out, we expect to be in the playoff. That's right. and and having that not just be lip service, but hey, you know, we've been there two of the last three years, guys. I mean, that's that's what you're looking for. But like we talked about last year, and I don't want to trigger Eddie, but you have to go there and put on a good performance. It can't be another thing like Clemson. You need to go out there, and you don't have to win. I'm not saying like if you lose, it's a failure. I'm just saying you need to be competitive, which. We all know in that game in the fourth quarter in the Orange Bowl, OU was done. It was over. That game was complete. And Oklahoma needs to go out on a big-time stage against a big-time team and and really win one of these games. I know everybody's going to yell Ohio State, and, and that's fine. I get that. But I'm talking about a game where literally people that don't care about college football are watching college football. Just the getting past the the loss of the big, big, big game Bob moniker and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, it, like I said, I mean, pretty hard to argue with what Lincoln Riley's done in big games so far. But obviously, you know, it's hard to say, look, look at us. We've gone to the playoff when every coach that you recruits against you, especially when you recruit against Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State, can say, yeah, but look at what happened when you got there. You know what, like, what's, what's really funny, Josh, is when you think about the, the – go back to the summer when Lincoln Riley took over and kind of the onslaught that was going on – and really, it was like right after OU lost to R.J. Henderson and uh, Theo Weiss, uh, you know, they had them committed. Then they lost them, and there was a big panic about, oh, this, you know, this this momentum, where to go, and blah blah blah. And then Texas is getting uh, um, Ron uh, Tatum. Ron Tatum. Um, yep. They get Ron Tatum, and then you know, you start, you know, and then the Casey Thompson things happens, and, and you're just like, oh my God, Texas is. On the verge of here he comes. Here comes the real Texas. Like oh god, OU's going to have to deal with this now. And then f- fast forward to now, Texas. I mean the the TVs and the lockers, all that stuff happened. Texas still looks like a program that can't you know get out of its own way. In layman's terms, Lincoln and, Riley told Tom Herman to OU suck. Has it. Done, OU has done everything that Texas wishes that they were able to do. Well, and it's so funny because we talked about it in the pod back in the summer, guys. There was all that push from Texas. And I know talking to recruits, they're telling these recruits, hey, it's going to be different. You know, Bob's gone now. It's, you know, it's, it's, they're not going to have the same level of success. He was a great coach. You know, and like I said, at the time, that was after months of being like, oh, Bob's tired and he's past it and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as Bob left, oh, they'll never replace him. You know, it, it just, it, and, and that's the way recruiting is. But you're absolutely right. Texas, everything they tried to tell recruits they were going to do, OU's doing. So, you know, God, we, we we talked about it. There were people that bought in that Texas was a national championship contender this year. We can That's, say now that those they, they weren't really, really serious, were they? <laughs> they were. I bet Chip Brown believed what he was saying I, at the I time think he, he said you, it. I, you don't think he was just trolling a little bit? Like I'm gonna take a chance. This could happen. Maybe this or will you get think me some that, subscribers. Yeah, or you think he really, honest to God, thought that this team was gonna go play for a national title? Well, guys, we've heard about it that it there was, kind was of a stunt. some sort of meeting of the minds after Herman was hired. Oh yeah, that yeah. you're gonna get on board with the way I see things, and this is how we're gonna run things, and we're not gonna have leaks. And 
I think in several cases, there was a rush to be Tom Herman's guy. You could have just bought him a bottle of vodka and done that. (laughs) Or paid for his dinner. Yeah. Or paid for, yeah. (laughs) Tom, you don't have to eat a burger and water this week. How how awesome would it be if Lincoln and, and Tom just happened to be at the same restaurant sometimes, and Lincoln's like, he calls a waiter over. I got his bill. Let, let, let me get yeah. his bill. And just watch Herman's head just explode. The way Riley is, he'd probably put it on video and then tweet it out or something. <laughs> One of those like badass videos that they do on his uh, Twitter account. Eric Stryker's doing the audio for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, doing the voiceover. When some bitch starts talking shit. You know, that... <laughs> I, what, and what you know what's been interesting with it like even after they beat Texas even after they they've done all this stuff in recruiting like they haven't like Texas they were the ones with the ain't no river wide enough stuff that got thrown out there and then the wolves stuff uh like oh you kind of uh participated in that a little bit they haven't ever since I mean they basically just been like we're taking care of our own shit we don't care about you yeah and I Which think I that think that's smart. why it's it's very important for them to kind of finish it off and at least get to the playoff, I think, would be yeah. a good step in the right direction. But, you know, with Baker Mayfield and everything that he's going to probably go on to win this year as far as national awards, oh, man. they can't get any hotter right now. They Texas literally can't is, get any like, hotter. Like, literally, Texas is just waiting, hoping that Kyler Murray sucks next year. That's the only chance they have to start rebuilding momentum. Yeah, or I mean, and, maybe, and they are going more national. Maybe they'll make a bowl game this year. That'd be a step in the right direction. Got to win a game here in the last two five weeks. And five, right? I guess they'll probably get in because there's so many damn bowl games now that they beat they'll have Kansas to fill it out. They, they're ahead there. They are ahead there. I, I know we did t- it cover, we've though. got all off season to talk about this, but I just want to hear like projections right now. It doesn't have to be a long answer. I don't even want it to be a long conversation because, like I said, we have plenty of time to discuss it. Handicapping it right now, Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall. Like, what? Where would you rank it? Oh, I think Kyler Murray clearly is the starter. Like eighty-five percent. Yes. Okay. I might even I, go ninety. Yeah. I. I don't think that there's any doubt though that there is not a better quarterback on the sidelines that holds a clipboard like Austin Kendall. He doesn't even bring his helmet out, and I, I, I truly appreciate. I pre, I, I appreciate that. Like he knows that he's, he's just going to hold the to hold the clipboard. Yeah. I'm not bringing a helmet out. You better have my hat on the sidelines ready for me to roll. If Baker's leg goes in a weird direction, then I'll put my, then I'll get my helmet. It's pretty funny. I, I get a kick out of that every time I see him running out because he just seems like he, he kind of has a little Mayfield in him just as far as uh, I think he's a little, a little cocky. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think you can play quarter. I don't think you can play quarterback for Lincoln Riley and not be a little bit cocky. How about no, that? That's a nice problem. Right. I think that's right. But I, no, I don't. I, I, Kyler to me is clearly. Yeah, going to be the guy next year. I don't question it at all. Do you think it's just because it's such an easy segue? You know, they don't have to change. He can do a lot of the same things Baker does. I not even I mean, that physically. So much. I'm I not mean, trying to make that comparison. Yeah, I just I mean, mean he's and, capable. And what's strange is like Baker's kind of started running more, but Baker's kind of done what Jason White did without having two bad knees, which is he shut down the running and became a better passer. And now that now. You know, last year he was fantastic as a passer, and that was the you know coming off of the concussion against TCU and, and against Clemson. Like he didn't run at all last year. I mean, he did some, but not like what he's doing this year. Yeah. So he became more competent as a passer, and I think I think Kyler Murray will be the same way. I mean, I think Lincoln Riley will put some stuff in for him to take advantage of that. 
But he's going to be one of those guys that wants to stay in the pocket and prove what a good passer he is. He's a really good deep ball thrower. Threw into, who was that? Lee Morris. That was, oh, no, it was uh, Marquise Brown's first touchdown this year. But he also threw into Lee Morris. Calvert did. I think oh yeah, that was yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was the Allen. Yeah, because it was the whole Allen, Allen, Allen. Yeah, but the Marquise Brown came later. That was uh, Tulane. Tulane, yeah. Eddie, when you're shooting video of the catch Marquise Brown had the other night for sights and sounds and all that stuff, is there like how well could you track that? I, I still can't believe he caught that damn ball. Uh, it's it's kind of funny because it's like I'm looking through the lens, so a lot of what I get during the game I know is going to be good when you can hear the crowd like there's just a certain like kind of not a hush but it's almost like a, 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 a building, building yeah kind of it's like okay this he has a chance to catch this and then I, th- I thought it, I thought it was really funny the way he bounced off the ground I mean yeah. <laughs> Marquis Brown's so small that he just I was kind of worried that he got hurt a little bit one time I did that thing I don't I'm one of these people that like if something I don't know if I've talked about this before I might have, like when everybody says oh I don't want to see that like the like the Gordon Hayward injury mm-hmm. like I want to see it, like people are like oh don't look I'm like I, I it's gonna gross me out and it's gonna make me queasy, but I have to you see gotta it. see it I gotta I, see it once yeah. I don't need to see it again but I gotta see no, it I, once. yeah I need to see it once and so you know this was like I don't know the beginning of YouTube, but somebody told me that. I worked with this guy named L.P. Pinnell, and this got me in a lot of trouble with uh, Jared Falwell's wife uh, of Kings of Leon because uh, L.P. was going to a game at Texas Tech, and he was walking through somebody. They, they ended up with the, the group he was with. They ended up going to somebody's house uh, in into their backyard. And so the video starts, and there's a goat hanging like by its neck above a like a tiny swimming pool and then there's a guy standing next to it with a samurai sword and so they beheaded the goat they were and they cleaned it and ate it and all that stuff but he sent me that video and that's the one video i wish i'd never seen in my entire life do you wish it was tommy tupperville no (laughs) i don't want to see it like now that i will not watch like the isis beheading yeah like there's no way what about no the Go way. Red Raiders guy? I just hate that on principle. Okay. I know. It, that's a pain. Like, like people, I don't know who's more pained by that, you or JD, because you both are so kind of synonymous with it. Yeah. it's it, the, the morning show likes to play it whenever Texas Tech comes up, and it literally is like PTSD. Like, <laughs> it's, it wasn't fun. I mean, it was, it, it was one of the worst days of my professional life. That guy, like... You hear that video a little bit, and you think, oh, that's really funny. But, like, it was literally 30 minutes of that stuff. That's, trying to interview people in the middle of that jackass. At some point this summer, I really want to tackle a 30 for 30 documentary about that day. Get all the guys that were a part of it. Brian Davis yeah, get and BD. Mike Jones and John Shin and yeah. Chuck Long. Do a, we do need a, the close-up on Carrie. And, like, you see minutes. him, like, start to break down. He's getting emotional. Pulls off a little little mic clip and walks off the screen. Just can't handle it. <laughs> By the way, that was yesterday. Was really a touching moment. If we can do things like this on our podcast, but you know, uh, Caleb Kelly, which I thought was asked way too quickly about Tony Perry. Uh, I mean, that's kind of one of those things. Like you wait until you know you you think you're about done. 
to ask him about that because you know it's going to be tough for him emotionally. Right. And he started talking about it, and uh, I think I, I should have probably pulled up. I could pull up your video real quick. Yeah, later. yeah, it's on Vimeo. Uh, it was that was probably, and I don't think awkward's the right word, but it was just the kind of the, like the saddest post practice moment I've I've been a part of. I can't ever remember a time like that of uh, somebody talking about the passing of a, a close, I don't know if loved one is the right word, but somebody that is so close to him that it obviously has affected Caleb. Well, Kelly. he's from a single parent family, right, Josh? Yeah. Valerie is is, is single parent. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, basically, her and his aunt have been yes. a big part he's of it. He's talked about him. his aunt before a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Tony Perry was, a, 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 I would say, probably a, a bit of a father figure for him, too. You know, and he talks about here all the stuff that he did for him. Uh, but here's uh, Caleb Kelly uh, after he was asked about the passing of, of Tony Perry. And, and quickly, Josh, Tony Perry, just let people know exactly who he was. Tony Perry was a guy from the Fresno area that like 25 years ago just started working with kids. And they always talked about it. You know, all the articles I've read that, you know, obviously from Fresno area people that knew more than I did. Kind of the west side of Fresno, I, from what I can gather, one of the tougher areas of Fresno and really took a lot of kids under his wing. I mean, you can go, really, if you went through the Rivals database since, you know, going back to 2002 and you looked up Fresno area recruits, I would bet you 85% of them had a relationship with Tony Perry to one degree or another. He was a guy, put guys' names out in front of people. I can tell you flat out, he was the first person to ever tell me the name Caleb Kelly. I'd never heard of Caleb before I talked to Tony. So he was just one of those guys that really... And so often we end up generalizing, and frankly, I think a lot of cases we're right about some of these people that try to help these kids and, want, and are doing it for the wrong reasons. Tony Perry was not a guy that was living the good life or anything like that. He he worked as a high school assistant. He did he just wanted to help these kids get somewhere, and I think that's why you've seen. I mean, from guys in the NFL right now to guys like Caleb, even to guys still working with him in high school. Just an outpouring of emotion because he really was. He was a good good man that wanted to help people. Here's uh, Caleb Kelly after he was asked about his passing. Uh, he passed away on Saturday, and I found out right before the game. And, shoot, I don't even know if I'd be here without Tony Perry. Um, that's one of my best friends. Um, that's a dude. He changed my life, for real. He changed my life. Changed so many guys' lives. Um, on the west side, the guys, he changed the guys on the north side. He didn't care who it was. He was going to talk to you. Uh, he always was humble about it. He always liked Oklahoma too, didn't he? He said oh, yeah. a lot of he you guys loved, here. He loved the Stoops brothers big time. Love the Stoops brothers. All right, so there's uh, some of Caleb Kelly. You can watch that whole video on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, but yeah, just it hadn't really. You don't have you don't have a lot of moments like those. I mean, tragedy uh, striking like that in the middle of a football then for season. Him to come out and play like. Found out before he took the yeah. field for the game. Crazy. I, I was going to say, I missed that the first time I heard it when you guys put it up last night. I missed that he said he heard before the game. I thought he didn't know until after. Yeah, tough deal. Very tough deal.
Very sad deal. Uh, but Josh, let's uh, talk a little bit about recruiting. Uh, I I say it like. Well, let's throw it in here at the end. See, there goes Carrie. There no, it goes Carrie again. I will say this. I think it's just a good representation of where Oklahoma is in the recruiting aspect or landscape right now when you're talking about a 2020 commit being not only not just their first commit, it's their second commit out of the DFW area. He's not a quarterback either. And not a quarterback. Don't I you guys want to see me triggered. You I will trigger Josh. <laughs> so he is a quarterback? He is not a quarterback. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, let's talk about, you know, the eyeball emoji finally paid off for, for Lincoln Riley. <laughs> let's talk about that, Josh. Yeah, uh, for those that, you know, maybe follow us and don't follow it that closely, because he kind of, I, I guess being a 2020 guy and being, there was all, like, a, we've already covered the conversation about where he plays. There wasn't a lot of fanfare over this, but I can tell you talking to some people, uh, Drew Sanders, uh, 6'5", about 210 from Colleyville Heritage um, in the, kind of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, kind of right there in the middle. Um, where Cody Thomas committed, came from. Yeah, where Cody Thomas is from, absolutely. Committed to Oklahoma on Monday night after Lincoln Riley sent out the googly eyes uh, Sunday night. And I can tell you flat out talking to some people around Norman, they love this kid. Like, this is not – this is. Uh, Fans may not be over the moon about this yet because they don't know where he's going to be, but I, I got the question or the the answer multiple times. We'll let him figure that out. They don't care. He is six five two ten and he can run. Like they they don't care about anything else. That'll work itself out. If I'm guessing, something tells me he'll end up on the defensive side of the ball. Like, yeah, but I think end. I think everybody knows that's kind of where I want to shove every good athlete. So that's probably something to do with this. Um, but he, he's a guy that I had a chance to see in the first game of the season. Funny enough, saw him opposite of Jace McClellan, who is now OU's other 2020, uh, commitment. They're running back from Aledo, Aledo. Oh, damn it. <laughs> so, um, who funny enough as well to kind of keep that story going. I will see Jace on Thursday night and then I'll turn around and see Drew on Friday night. So it's, it's kind of a full circle season for me. Um, but no, with, with Sanders, though, like I said, I had a chance to see him. He was coming off an injury, so it wasn't his best night. But he's a, like I said, I mean, he's a guy that um, has a great frame, really long, still very lean. I mean, as you'd expect, I don't think the guy can drive yet. So it, it kind of tells you, I mean, to give people out there some perspective on just how young he is. Um, but Drew is a, a really good athlete. Big, I mean, I say he's lean. But he's a physically well-put-together guy. He's just going to keep adding weight naturally. And I would guess by the time he's a high school senior, he's probably 240 pounds. I mean, he's going to be a big, sturdy kid. And then, oh, you can figure out what they want to do with him, as whether it's tight end or defensive end or maybe even as a 3-4, you know, kind of stand-up outside linebacker. There's a lot of ways they could go with him. Is it racist to say basically OU's had, like, two really good white defensive ends? Like, that's the only comparisons you make, like, Dan Cody and Austin Dan Cody English. Dan English. Like, that's they've racist, only really had. It? Uh, not really. It's fact. Uh, they've He's only a white guy. They've only had two two white guys, haven't they? I mean, I can't. But you don't compare every black guy that's a defensive end to every black defensive end that's played at OU. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> that 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 is where you do get into the racism. Like, then that is. Oh, so I, guess I can't be reverse that, racist. Whatever, yep, Josh. Why? Why? Squid hating on the white man. So whatever. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah. 
Let me tell you about Hillary's emails. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, I got you. No. Oh, wow. All right. I can't even respond to that. I'm just going to stay out of it so I don't have to ban Eddie. So, <laughs> so racism, Josh, is it bad? <laughs> we This is, guys, I can say this for all three of us. We are an anti-racism podcast. We are. We do not, we do not support Papa John's. I, w- I will stand with that. Actually, I Maybe thought that was pretty three. funny that Papa John's put out a statement with a middle finger emoji in it to the to the white nationalists. Uh, at least somebody is these days. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, but this baby. weekend, Josh, I'm sorry. Did you have something else you wanted to go over with? Uh, <laughs> no, no, white I guy. have nothing I want to go white over guy. with Eddie. Damn it. So, so the rest of the recruiting weekend, it turned out to be talk. Just, just talk about that weekend because I, you had kind of said it, and everybody kind of said like, how po- you know, what could they possibly put together, you know, in this weekend? But it was just like everybody started descending on Norman. It. I'll just throw this out there before you, Josh. Just the fact that I, I, I'm not much of a. This crowd was better than this crowd, but I thought it was a pretty damn good atmosphere. I did I think too. That, I mean, from the press box, I thought it was good. Yeah, really I good. thought it was very good. And I even, I I didn't notice it until I went back and watched the game was the fact that they played the Mayfield little uh, get loud, be rowdy, you know, hullabaloo bullshit thing that he said at the press conference. They played that before the first series of the game. I didn't even realize that. Hmm. Like when the defense was coming out. But I, I thought it was, I did a, notice it was that, a yeah. great atmosphere. And I, I thought that, you know, I'm sure that's probably what you heard from a lot of people that were in attendance. I'm sure Baker appreciates you calling his stuff hullabaloo bullshit. I was fixing to say Sam's not going to be the only quarterback not returning I would, your calls. I would tell Baker to his face. <laughs> but, okay, we'll we'll, um, we'll we'll keep Eddie from you know just break, burning all his relationship bridges. Um, but the recruiting weekend, Josh, it, it turned out to be a pretty good one. I'll just, yeah, I'll just slide into Kyler's you know, DMs. And talking about, um, you know, the guys that were really impressed, I know talking to the two uh, kind of the two elite California kids that were in uh, Bryson Young or excuse me, Bryson, Bryce Young, the uh, 2020 quarterback from L.A. Cathedral and his 2019 teammate, Stephon Wright, uh, the defensive lineman from Cathedral. uh, They both just talked like couldn't believe the atmosphere. They'd never experienced anything like that. You know, you know, and Young kind of said. Being from L.A., there's nothing like that here. The, it, it, people, you know, were out there early and were ready to go, and it was just, you know, he and he said something like, I, I, as a player, you would love to go somewhere and be that important and be that big of a deal as obviously Baker is and that kind of thing. So that, that resonates with a lot of guys, you know, and I know people coming into that week, and we talked about it in the pod, you know, Baker shouldn't have to call fans out. Like that, like I – I get kept getting fans saying he wants us to be loud this week. He wants you to be loud every week. Like this isn't new. So this stuff resonates with guys. And I know talking to just one guy after another atmosphere came up. Uh, Isaiah Spiller was like, it was just amazing. That was incredible. And this is a guy that his dad played at A&M. I mean, he's been around plenty of good atmospheres in his life going to A&M games for years. And what? Um, Colts. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, so, I wonder if they've gotten rid. Of, see, that's the bad thing. I don't know because I haven't been to a game at A and M now that they're not in the Big Twelve. But surely they told the girls to stop wearing overalls all the time. It was like a bad. No, thing. I don't think they have. I think the only thing that they don't do anymore is build bonfires. Yeah, that's we're not doing that. Not a joke. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a joke. I, I'm serious. Well, I mean, you, you have to look. Okay, so big time recruit goes to Florida State, and there are 
let's say, loose, morally casual girls in tight tops and cowgirl hats. Didn't they shut down the fraternities there this this last couple of weeks? Yeah, at Florida State. Somebody got Did killed. they? Yeah, I think they're... I, I didn't really read a whole lot about it, but I think it had something to do with uh, maybe some... Some cocaine floating through the mm. Greek row and uh, just a little there, explosive I remember, partying. I, I remember going by. The, I'm sorry to take us out on a tangent, Josh, but I remember going by their their Greek row and stuff. Like they have like the tiny houses. They don't have. They're not residents. I want to jump out of the car. You do. Oh you did yeah. When you saw it. Yeah, it looked awesome. But I mean, you don't live there. I mean, you just go to have like chapter meetings, I guess. Yeah, and party. But where do you go to party? The houses are tiny. No, I don't think I don't think they're tiny. They they have huge houses at Florida State because hmm. I've seen some videos before from like inside the I don't even know what house it was, but it's, maybe those it was, are like little satellite. It was humongous. I think maybe those were the now maybe the sorority houses are small. The sorority, but, uh, I think it was also fraternity sorority. houses are humongous. Florida State was the first place I ever saw girls wearing cut off jean shorts that were so short the pockets hung down. God. I they're called sluts. <laughs> well, I mean, they had those Florida State girls. That's how Jen Sturger got her her start in life. Now it's not going so well for her. Well, I think say now she stands up on her high horse about being respected. Yeah, I know. That's interesting. It's almost like you make the bed you play in. So even if you get those implants taken out, there's you're still a hooker. Brett McKendry's still trying to. Oh my God! Let's not. We can't go down that <laughs> Let's road. Let's not go down that road. We can't go down that road. Okay, we I hate her so much, though. We won't. Put her in. So, Tom recruiting. In a, anyway. <laughs> yeah, recruiting. Uh, <laughs> where were we? Oh, we've, we've talked about kind of the, the atmosphere. The, the, I how think, big it was, the atmosphere, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, you know, the the three official visitors that were there that weren't committed guys, uh, you had Abdul Malik McLean from uh, the Los Angeles area. Andrew Chatfield from Florida, uh, both those guys kind of edge rusher types, and Cam Wire, uh, the offensive tackle, who's an LSU commitment, which I have kind of found out in the last, oh, five or six hours, and I know people are going to get mad that I talked about it on the pod and haven't put it on the board yet. It's just been a busy day. Um, I don't think he had alerted LSU that he was going to take that visit. So I think there is some surprise on that front. I, I, I don't know what to make of that because I think – First, he's a guy. I mean, those that don't know, Gonzalez is right down the road from Baton Rouge. I mean, it's it's very very close. There's, it's, and when he committed, he called LSU his dream school, and I think he meant it. And it just it always felt like LSU was going to be really tough to beat. At the same time, I, there's not many schools that have more to offer an offensive lineman right now than Oklahoma does. I mean, and especially with Cam Wire who's good and close friend and former teammate is Adrian Ely, who's a, a currently a freshman tackle. So, I mean, there is a lot for Oklahoma to hit on with him, and I, he's kind of gone underground. Cam is usually very easy for me to get a hold of, and he's gone a little quiet lately, and to me that usually means something's cooking. Now, it may mean nothing, but it's just usually when something changes dramatically, you can kind of see why. Uh, with Malik McClain, uh, it's, I keep hyphenating his – it's Abdul Malik, last name McLean, and I keep wanting to make his last name McLean. So he's Malik got two McClain. first names. Yeah, he's That's got two awesome. first names. That's I keep screwing it up. So forgive me on that. That's but so Ricky for, Bobby. Yes, yes. I don't think he has a Crystal Gale shirt, but I will check on that. Um, with with McLean, 
everybody I talked to thought that visit went really, really well, kind of like Jeremiah Martin a few weeks ago with Texas Tech. I think there was some feeling that maybe something could happen in the next week. I get the impression that he's probably going to – not probably. There's a good chance he'll commit uh, – excuse me, decommit from UCLA and then kind of come down to a decision of whether he wants to take some more trips or maybe maybe commit to Oklahoma. I think there's some things he has to talk over with his family. Uh, Andrew Chatfield, a guy that I love from American Heritage in Florida, um, the thing I got from everybody is how much they liked him. Like just there was – I think everybody around Norman – was just super impressed with him as a kid. But when I was when I would get kind of into the, well, how did the visit go? I don't think anybody knows. Like I, I there there was very much a it seemed like he liked it, but he didn't tell us anything. So I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen with that, but I definitely got the feeling that he's probably not a guy I would count on being part of this class. He's got two first names. Alright. <laughs> uh uh, yeah, what's interesting? I about, ran you out of that joke. So by, by by about LSU is like, I'm sorry, but if you go to LSU, you're just gonna be like eight and four every year forever. Well, at some point, you have to realize that you can't get subtitles or a caption to go along with the coach. <laughs> I mean, Orgeron, he's gonna recruit well. He's gonna keep your talent stockpiled, but you're never gonna win anything. Not not anything meaningful. I mean, you might win like. They really are headed for just another Les Miles era. Yeah. It's just, it's just all okay. Except not as good. Yeah, that, I, don't think they'll, I don't think they'll come anywhere close to the success that Les Miles had. I hope you Les guys, Miles gets back in the coaching game. You guys are in the same room. I wanna, I'll, I'm going to make sure this is an honest test. Don't look at your computers. Don't look at the rankings. If I, if I made you tell me where LSU is in the rivals' rankings right now, give it a guess. Six. Seven. Somewhere around there. Uh, I trying to just think uh, a wild guess. I it must say, be awful. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. I'll say fourteen. Is it like twenty? Twenty. No. So they're not LSU even recruiting. Twenty. Yeah, I think say the and you know, Carrie, I was talking to our our buddy at the LSU site, and there is you know, and he was talking about there's this reputation that Orgeron has as a recruiter, but when you look at it, what has Orgeron always had to sell? He's been at LSU selling defensive linemen, not that tough. Been at USC recruiting Southern California, not that tough. Like, there, I, I never thought of it that way, and I won't claim that I had the idea because I definitely did not. But it's kind of interesting to think about that now that he's having to sell his own team and what a train wreck they look like at times. I mean, like, the heat's kind of come off of him. But he beat the crap out of Arkansas, who just fired their athletic director and is going to fire their head coach. Like, is that really <laughs> worth getting excited over? He's continually yeah. beating schools that are they have not their shit together. Who's uh, Mississippi State killed them, or they killed Mississippi State? I can't even remember who LSU. LSU. They got killed by Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. They came back and beat Auburn the week after they lost oh, to Troy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that that's was the weird one. That's what's killing loss. Auburn yeah. right now. Yeah. That is a bizarre loss. The uh, not as bad apparently as Iowa State, you know. But yeah, I mean, God forbid you lose to a, a decent Iowa State team because that that will completely screw you over, I guess, for the rest of the year. At 
like, is there ever any, there needs to be within the committee, a review committee, because clearly they can't learn that Iowa State's not as bad as we all thought they were at the time. And guys, we were all three guilty of that. I'm not saying that they should have known at the time yeah. that Iowa State was good. No, but, but when you watch Iowa the evidence State, says yeah. they're a pretty good football team. When you watch Iowa State play TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, and it all goes down to the wire, they win two of those three? They, I mean, they were the only, they were going to be, they were one score away uh, and an extra point, you know, two-point conversion, whatever. But one stop away, whatever you want to call it, from being the only team that had wins over Oklahoma, TCU, and Oklahoma State. They were about to be the best story, one of the best stories in college football. I mean, if, they're, and if they they're win, they're in the Big 12 now. championship game, they'd be the, one of the best stories in college and football. And compared to losing to Syracuse, who was 4-6, and six, you're just you're trash. And, guys, even forget the Oklahoma State game. How many teams in the country could beat Oklahoma and TCU this year? Maybe none. Four or five? I mean, maybe. I, Alabama, I'd say, Clemson. I'd say, I mean, you're talking the cream of the crop. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean. No, I'm not, I'm not getting into whether they would or wouldn't. I'm just saying is capable. And it's not long. I mean, those are two really good football teams. I feel like we should always remind people. Um, we are Soonerscoop.com. This is the unofficial 40. <laughs> Uh, we are a subscription-based website, and there's always tons more interview. I mean, we 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 can throw together an hour and a half, two-hour podcast like it's nothing. Like there is so much more information out there uh, that we have on the website, especially on the Crimson Corner, uh, our our member message board. That we want you guys to be a part of it. This podcast, I can't tell you guys how much we appreciate you guys listening, telling your friends about it. It's kind of become one of those things like we we hear when we're out on the street, we hear from you guys that listen to the podcast, and we always love that. Uh, but it's gotten so bonkers. I mean, it's it's massive, and you are going to start hearing some of those advertisements. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are like you should sell advertising. It's like, well, yeah, we plan on doing that. So I can't tell you what it's going to be, but we're going to be hawking some stuff here pretty soon. We've got. Uh, because our numbers are so big, we've got representation from a national ad agency, which is very exciting Ooh. news. So it should be good. Uh, by the way, uh, back to recruiting for a second. So check us out, Soonerscoop.com. If you like the podcast, go sign up. That's all I can tell you. We're not asking for handouts. We give you pretty good stuff. Go uh, sign up or you'll basically be a loser. Exactly. You won't, you won't be as hip on... Uh, What's going on with OU as your friends? All right, back to recruiting. Josh, there was a announcement that was pushed back, uh, an announcement that many thought could be end up, could end up with OU having another commitment. What can you tell us about this situation? Well, you know what I can tell you, and I think everyone's going to get real excited. I can tell you what one of the googly eyes was now. Everybody out there listening, sit down, take, take a minute. Ruben Uger was one of the googly eyes. Let me just... Clear that up for anyone who wasn't 100% sure. Which He's the offensive lineman out of IMG Academy. If you are a member of our board and you are not aware that he was one of the googly eyes, I'm gonna tell me and I'm going to give you a week away from the board because you, you're not doing it right and we've got to talk about that. But to those listening, you know, uh, four-star offensive tackle, Rivals 100 guy from uh, IMG in Florida. Uh, Unijay was a guy that he's been leaning heavily to Oklahoma for months. I mean, and it seemed a foregone conclusion. And it was always strange to me because a guy at IMG, huge talent, you know, all the stuff that you seem to like, 
And I would talk to people that are more familiar, you know, maybe covered IMG more frequently or at least just lived closer to IMG. And when I would talk to them, it just was kind of a, you know, this school doesn't think he's that good. This school's not that high on him. They're kind of passing on him. And I, I mean, I was like, what am I missing here? Because everything else looked right. Now, you know, and I would talk to my sources at Oklahoma. There was never any feel that that was happening. And even two weeks ago when he took his official visit to uh, for the Texas Tech weekend, it all looked right. And at some point in the last, oh, four to five days, something changed. And I, I, I am not being, I'm not trying to tease anybody. I'm not. I don't know what it is yet. Like, I, I'm just going to be honest about that. But at the same time, I I have a picture of it. Like, I have some ideas of what it could be. I don't want to speculate because Ruben's a good kid and I'm not looking to run him through the mud or anything like that. I don't know, so I don't want to take guesses and be wrong and make him look bad. That's not what I want to do. But when I talk to people, it's not a grades thing. Uh, he's been injured his senior year. I'm told that's not the problem. Um, so you can check some things off of this is not what it is, but he has delayed his decision from what I have been told. And I've already talked about this on the board for a few days. Now, Oklahoma will not be part of his recruitment going forward. I don't know why like that. The why is the only thing I cannot tell you, but from everything I have gathered, OU is going to move in a different direction. Now that may be cam wire who we talked about earlier. That may be, um, the possibility of moving some guys around, doing some different things, maybe taking a JUCO guy. Uh, we're going to talk about it some in the scoop. This is something I plan to cover at some length, so I don't want to give away everything. But uh, there, there are some ways Oklahoma can go without even really being that crazy. I think there are some ideas about their current commitments that could move and shift a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And also in the scoop, and this is a flat-out tease, I, I expect some numbers changes to start happening as far as um, what Oklahoma's commitment list may look like. So just kind of Friday morning, Thursday night, whenever I manage to get that out, I, I, I think you'll see some interesting stuff that maybe we haven't covered at all before. Let me ask you, I think the the only natural question when you hear about the Ruben Unige and specifically his connection where he goes to school right now, how does that affect OU with a number of the IMG guys. You're right, and I should have covered that. Obviously, Oklahoma's still in play with uh, Ayadeli Adoye, uh, the linebacker, the Rivals 250 nice. guy that also visited the Texas Tech weekend. Uh, also, you know, obviously, TJ Pledger, everything's good there with OU, the commitment. Um, and Brendan Radley-Hiles, who was going to visit Clemson this weekend, which to me is the last real hurdle for Oklahoma. I think if he comes out of that and Clemson hasn't either secured his commitment or whatever – then I think Oklahoma is looking pretty good for his his decision that's supposed to be announced at the Army game. Um, from what I can gather at IMG, I don't know that Oklahoma came to this decision completely independently. I don't want to say too much beyond that, but I definitely don't think Oklahoma has hurt themselves with the coaching staff or the support, you know, any of the players. I, I think most of the principals in this situation, and I, from what I can gather, Ruben included in that understands why this has happened. So I don't think there's any sore feelings. I think everybody kind of understands, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, can kind of understand why this happened. But I don't, I, I don't foresee this being something that reflects negatively on Oklahoma. 
Interesting. All right, boys. Uh, we've gone on for a while, and uh, I'm glad to get another podcast out there. I will say this next week, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, there's a pretty good chance we'll up the podcast schedule a day just because of schedules. Uh, especially, I know I've got to go down to Dallas on Wednesday. Eddie's got some family stuff too, so going to Houston. Are you going to Houston? Yeah. Wow. I'll be back Friday. Uh, so yeah, I think we're gonna have kind of a, a little bit of an early podcast next week. So just programming note for you, uh, moving forward. Josh, uh, is Lainey excited about Thanksgiving? Uh, she is more excited about Christmas. We are, you know, <laughs> is Carrie, the tree, are the you, lights up or is a tree? No, up? they will be going up here the next few days. We are going to start getting because normally it wouldn't probably happen. I have kind of worn Tiffany down on this because I am one of those people that as soon as Halloween's over, I just want to go to Christmas. Like I'm, I'm like Thanksgiving's fine. Thanksgiving's a meal. I, I don't have any other use for it. So, I um, I, I'm ready for Christmas and with, with the baby coming, we've got enough stuff going on right now that I really don't need to have to wait on that for a certain timeline. Just whenever we can start putting stuff up, we'll start putting stuff up. So, the, the funny thing is, is the day after Halloween, I said, Lainey, it's almost Christmas time. You know, we're, we're ready. And she associates that with, um, I don't know if I've even said, Layla is going to be our is girl number two. Oh, okay, so the name, huh? I don't know that I've given the name out. So Layla will be number two. And Layla, she, she, that's what, Lainey has known all along that Christmas meant Layla would be here. So she goes, so I get to meet my sister today. And we're like, well, no, baby. Like, And she was so crestfallen by just <laughs> Christmas. Like it wasn't it, – we'd taken all the joy out of Christmas. So I've been trying to get her back in the mood for a while now. But, yeah, she's uh, – she likes she likes Halloween a lot. She really dug that. And, obviously, uh, Christmas, every kid. She already has her list for Santa. She's ready to roll. Good to know. By the way, Eddie, tell your family to enjoy this Thanksgiving because next week we're spending it in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, that's year. true. Yeah, West I didn't Virginia. even think about that. West Virginia is the post-Thanksgiving game. And that's a Friday game, right? It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. I think it might be. We'll be at Boston Aww. Market celebrating Thanksgiving. We can do better than that. We can do better than Boston Market. Dude, Boston Market's good. I know, but we can for Thanksgiving, we got a we I like I want to go eat with like Ben Roethlisberger or <laughs> Bill Cower or just go to Dana's house. Maybe they'll draft like um Orlando Brown or something. And then he can spin. hook us up. Yeah, there we go. Do that. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Unofficial 40. Uh, ex- there may be some other exciting news. I set up a voicemail system the other day. Ooh. Um, we may keep checking Twitter because I'm thinking that maybe we should we should get post-game reaction <laughs> and start making that a part of the podcast or even like halftime reaction. That might be kind of cool. I have some breaking news. Really? Well, not really truly breaking, but just got a text from a buddy or a DM from a buddy. He works for the National Weather Center. Right now, if Uh-oh. they were to forecast the weather for uh, in two weeks for the West Virginia game, uh-huh. 9.8 inches of snow in Norman. <laughs> Something to just watch out for. I don't like you, Eddie. I'm going to project, though, that's good for Oklahoma. That's a game Oklahoma can win. Yeah. I think it, having 9.8 inches of snow with Will Greer involved, uh-huh. probably not bad. Probably just yeah. snort all of it. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right, you can't finish the show any better than that, folks. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Thanks to Josh McQuistian. Uh, thanks to the always awful Eddie Radosevich. Uh, I am Kerry Murdoch. You've been listening to the Unofficial 40, and we'll see you guys back on the site, Soonerscoop.com. And we'll be back again next week, a, l- a day early. As uh, We hope you guys enjoy the holidays. We'll tell you that again next week. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.